0: Father, we are so grateful that we are a child of God. And I realize more than ever that it is a big deal to be a child of God. And I claim this, and I want to nurture it in this group setting, in this safe place with the people. I, I love who doesn't judgment. There's no judgment here. And I pray right now if there's any judgment about ourselves, about other people, that we would release it and that we would... uh just really be so awed by your love. We want to be born again, and we want your, this child to regenerate and have vitality in our spiritual life. And so, Lord, just we ask for your Holy Spirit to be here and just infuse us with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: amen. 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 Thank you, Joel. The challenge I have is that the more I dig deeper into the infantile and childhood issues that play out in our adult life without us realizing it. So then the child within, infant within, the immature being within dictates every actions, every thoughts and emotions and the way we set boundaries and inability to set boundaries, all of that are affected by the inner child and yet we do not know about it, do not have the awareness of it, you know. So all of these things are done unconsciously. And so I believe in unconscious level that much. So then we as Christians, our one of our goal is to bring the things that are on the unconscious level to a conscious level. And that takes the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes, like, a lot of us, we don't even remember what happened. But we feel very, you know, sad about ourselves and we feel anger. We do not know where, where it's coming from and so forth. And so I want you to know that all of the human, most of the human misery, including marital difficulties and hardships and all that tragedy that goes on with marriage and relationship, almost 95 percentile and more are stemming from early on, even from mother's womb. And so without being able to have an awareness of that, uh, work of the Holy Spirit and all that we desire, and righteousness by faith and all that we desire to learn and all that, unless it really, really goes deeper enough to touch the core of who I am, how I'm you know, made to be and all that, it's not going to have as much as impact that it's supposed to have in our lives. And so I want you to know that psychology has, has, has a lot of help. We can, you know, we can gain a lot of help from psychology, but I want you to know that in psychology, there is no salvation. Amen? Amen? Amen. In psychology, there is no transformation. Yes, psychology comes up with a lot of tricks. You know, you can, you can come up with all kinds of tricks that may seem like working, that may help us to do, to modify our behaviors and all that, but it doesn't transform. So in that sense, what Ellen White says about transformation is really, really powerful. Human education is there to modify people, but God's word and gospel of Jesus Christ is there to what? Transform lives. And what we need is not modification the transformation in our lives. But, but, psychological concept and psychological languages are very, very helpful in terms of explaining the gospel. Because the gospel language is too difficult for us to understand. Like righteousness, sin, and you know, all that we want to know. And we have to explain all that. We have to know the Greek and all that. So, so I'm using psychological language and the concept as much as I can because it explains the reality of our lives, and then allowing the Bible to integrate with psychology in such a way that it will be used as a means of explaining the reality of our lives. Amen. And so that's the way I'm approaching it. Uh, so much has been uh, talked about. So if you have missed out, then that's fine, and. Uh, you know, we'll just have to move on. Hopefully you'll be able to uh, continue to catch on with it. I'm going to begin with these this, uh, words from John Brescia. The natural or wonder child is present when you meet an old friend. <laughs> you know, when you meet an old friend, how, how would your facial expression turn out to be? Happy, yeah. right? When you meet an old friend, would you like to give them high five? And then would you like to give them a bear hug? You know what I mean? And then you are already happy and you're, yeah, your tone of voice changes, right? When you meet an old friend, your tone of voice changes, like uh acting like a little kid. Ah, you become so happy and, you know, go crazy, right? And that's where the wonder child comes out. Mm-hmm. That's how we need to be when we meet our God every day. Amen? And after all, after all, God doesn't know any adults coming to Him. God only knows children coming to Him. Why? Because all of us have our own immaturity to deal with. You know, if you have fully mature, we don't need God, right? The natural or wonder child is present when you meet an old friend, when you barely laugh. When was the time you had that barely laugh? <laughs> you just laughed and giggled. You know, one time I met this couple to be, they 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 it looks like they're couples, you know, old couple. They're laughing. They're waiting in the Arizona airport. They're laughing and laughing. You know, I, I do these kind of works. So I pay attention to those things. And they're like, wow. How can you live together so long and you're able to laugh like that? That's amazing. And so I came home and then I explained that to our church members. And then, you know what people said? No, 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 they are not, you know, a couple. They're boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> That's sad, isn't it? That's sad. <laughs> Somehow when you get married and live long enough, then there's, there's not much joy. And you get into a a functionality of relationship. That cannot be the case, right? When you are creative and spontaneous, it's like, it's like, hey, let's do this. Yeah, you know, you do it together. And when you are awed by the wondrous sight, you go to Grand Canyon. What is your first expression when you go to Grand Canyon? Huh? It's like, wow. And the teenager go there, hey, is that all? <laughs> Mom, we drove like seven hours to see this? <laughs> you know, when you, when, you, when you have that simplicity of life, when you're able to be grateful and joyous over the simple things in life, and that's when you're in touch with the wonder of a childhood. Somehow as you grow older, you know, get serious with life, and then we lose that. We lose that sense of play. Amen? Amen. And then let's go on. So I, I, I have just several things that are affected by when, when your inner child is wounded. There's so many kinds of, you know, dysfunctions gets uh, developed in a person's life. If you are not sure what, where we are, actually, we are, we are actually left up from the second page, the Tuesday, Tuesday. So second page of the Tuesday section. Number six, what happens when wounded child is contaminated? It's kind of interesting that they use this word. Wounded child contaminates everything. When there's a wounded child, that wounded child becomes toxic. Only knows how to destroy and become destructive, and and because it's very unhappy and have this really like constipating attitude, right? And so then can you know contaminate? And of course, I'm, I don't have time to talk about all of this. Whenever I have a seminar, I'll you know put some of them into it. Codependent, you become codependent in relationship. Today, I will just take time to explain it. And you become offender behaviors. This is this explains why when you get abused, it is very likely you become the abuser. Why? Because the anger of the abuser, you, you ended up internalizing it in such a way, the identity of the abuser becomes your identity. And that's offender behaviors. Narcissistic disorders. This person, the world is revolving around you. You only know about your needs and nobody else's. If you meet with a narcissistic person, you know, you don't get a chance to talk anything. <laughs> this person talks all the way, all the way through. Uh, and then trust issues, acting out, acting in behaviors, magical beliefs, these unrealistic beliefs that you have, intimacy dysfunction. Oh, I wish I can talk about this because nowadays people have False sense of intimacy with things, you know, with machineries, with the uh, internet, or with cell phones, you know, with, with technological stuff, right? People have this false sense of intimacy, which is not a real intimacy at all. Non-disciplined behaviors, addictive and compulsive behaviors, thought disorders, and emptiness, apathy, depressions. You can already see that when the child, inner child is wounded, it totally contaminates in almost entirety of your lives. Have mercy, isn't it? And so in order for God to come in and heal us, He needs to come in really deep inside of our lives. And today I only have time to talk about this issue of codependency as we move on, which is really, really powerful, and a powerful um, you know, understanding to have. Codependence, is none other than the disease character. Have you ever thought of it as a disease? Disease characterized by a what? Loss of identity. All we long, Monday, Tuesday, we've been talking about identity. We've been talking about identity. Today, I'm going to talk about identity again later on. Identity is a very, very important understand, important formation to have. When you and I do not have a healthy sense of identity formation, that almost like the beginning of all kinds of dysfunction in our lives. Identity is so important. And therefore, Bible, when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, Bible talks most about identity. And then you will learn later on, Holy Spirit is everything about identity. And so it's fascinating. So hold on, sit tight, okay? We have a lot to study together. So it's a disease character by a loss of identity. And then when you have loss of identity, this is what happens. You become out of touch with one's feelings and needs and desires. You don't even know what you want in life, right? You know, how would you like to go, go to a restaurant with this kind of codependent person? Hey, where would you want? Where would you want to go? I don't know. Whatever you want, I will go. And you say, okay, let's go to a, a salad bar. Oh no, I don't like salad. <laughs> so, so you have to almost give it to them to figure things out. But and yet, you know, you're so so much in a in a place of uh, chaos and lostness. And then here's the situation. Where Grace, person by the name of Grace, listens to her boyfriend talk about his distress at work. So person who is codependent exhibits this kind of symptom. She listens to his stress and then she cannot what? She cannot sleep for she feels his feelings rather than what? Her own. She's not able to separate. His issues become what? Your issues. And you're losing your sleep because you're not able to set boundaries. You're not able to allow his feelings to be his feelings. His issues become his, but his issues become yours because you, you're codependent. You don't have your own sense of identity. And then there's another scenario. When Mac's girlfriend ends their six-month relationship, he becomes what? Suicider. The whole world comes down, falls down. His worth depends on her loving him. Why? Because he has no self-worth. You see? This is how codependency gets exhibited in person's life. Being nice can be what a false self can do when there is what? Nobody home. (laughs) Sometimes being nice, having a wonderful smile can be a a masking behavior where there is no true sense of self being built within and you're trying to portray yourself in a way that you are really, really not. And then here's a scenario where an elder of a church, he's fighting pornography in the community and yet having an affair with a young woman. How do you explain that? Only way you can explain is because he or she, he, he does not have a sense of identity. And therefore, he do, he does things that are not congruent, that are not, um, you know, you know, coincide with each other. He believes that his manhood is judged by how his wife looks. And so then, as soon as his wife become overweighted, he doesn't want to take her out to anywhere. Why? Because his value is, he thinks that his value of of who he is as a man is determined by how she looks. And these are all the symptoms of uh, being codependent, which is a really serious issue. And you see how identity becomes very important. Heavily in debt, this person is heavily in debt, and yet demands her husband to buy a what? Mercedes. (laughs) Mercedes. She believes that her self-esteem depends on maintaining the proper image. You see how a life can be so vainful, you know, wasted in that way when we do not have a healthy sense of self. Okay, let's move on a little bit, codependent, dependent on something outside of themselves in order to have an identity, You have to depend on something else. So then you get busy with church or, you know, you're looking nice in your relationship with other people and so forth and so forth. But codependency ends up fostering unhealthy family uh, system, right? You become empty in your pursuit of life because you tend to be so nice to other people. And yet you bring all that stress home. And then when it comes to your relationship with your spouse and children, we become nasty and we, we were not kind and, and gentle or generous, you know. And you fix uh, other families, uh, you know, uh, plumbing problem, but uh, your house plumbing is all messed up. <laughs> and that that can be a sign of codependency as well. There's an alcoholic father, you see. When a family is struck by alcoholic father, then life-threatening drinking because of the life threatening drinking family members chronically being alert and when when the when family is chronically being on an alert situation then everyone in the family loses in touch with what's own feelings and needs and desire and this is what this is what addiction does to a family in a sense where you become an alert situation, that alert, being alert situation gets chronically so prolonged that none of us are able to get in touch with themselves, being able to grow themselves, nurture themselves, or so on, because family is in crisis. And then family with violence is a similar thing, chemical, emotional, physical, sexual violence, you know, is, And then you lose the ability to generate self-esteem from within. Because without healthy you know, life, one is excited to to find fulfillment on the outside. Symptoms of wounded inner child. Codependent behavior indicates the person's childhood needs were not met, like my wife says. And therefore, he cannot know who he is. I want to tell you, one of the greatest needs among young people is the need for young people to discover their own sense of identity. Identity, is a, I, right now, is an identity crisis. You know, not only Korean-American ethnically, but also as a Christian, you know, we, we Satan is working so hard to destroy the core sense of identity, the way that God has created us to be. You have a could that, question? Could that also affect somebody that
0: had maybe like a... Um a brain injury, and they couldn't remember their childhood, sure. could they still have that, even though their childhood may not have been that way?
1: Sure, sure, sure. If they didn't remember it. Of course, yeah, yeah. When they don't remember, that's why, that's why one of the worst thing that can happen is to lose your memory. You know? When you lose your memory, then everything else goes with it, and quality of life, and you know, everything basically really goes down the drain. Um, But it's kind of interesting how a person might have, you know, uh, might lose memories, but some people are peaceful, while others can be very violent. And so what's been in there, it looks like it has a tendency to come out. You know, it's just a matter of time. And so I'm going to just go through it very very quickly, uh, depending on the study that we've done, um, I'm just summarizing in a different way. Codependent state, shapes and forms of breakdown in our lives. Codependent state, Imagine can think, choose, and do things on his own. A lot of the Asian Americans are, are you know, in this kind of si- situation where uh, you have a more of a group mentality, group identity rather than personal individual identity. Then you become so codependent uh, with the rest to figure out who he is or who she is. Um, and then another situation is you're not able to care for self. We talked about that, right? Infant is not able to take care of self. And therefore, you try to, you know, have your own identity by pleasing other people, no self-expression, unable to set boundaries and so on, uh, you know, self-hate and all that. Um, care for self. I'm going to just read it through, okay? Care for self in an expensive relational breakdown. That's what the child would do as an, as an unhealthy child. And oversensitivity also can be an issue, resulted by wounded childhood. You have a big sense of entitlement, your expectation, and then there's unspoken, unrealistic expectation. You know, when you are so sensitive, have these unrealistic expectations, and then what happens? You become a what? Drama king or drama queen. Right? And then you become narcissistic. And then what's interesting is that when a childhood needs are not met, then you enter into life and enter into marriage with a minus ledger emotionally. When this person is minus and enter into marriage with a minus balance, then no one can fill that minus balance bank account into plus. And that's a challenge that we're, we're facing with. And then either you become either overly sensitive or you become numb and dull, apathetic, and so on. Then you become exhausted and burnout. Um, you know, either you become codependent or you're unable to care for self or you care for self in an expense of other people. So it's all extreme kinds of behavior gets uh, erected. And then talk a little bit about addiction. Addiction is resulted by, in my belief, addiction is resulted by the wounded childhood. Childhood needs are not met and therefore you end up having, you know, a lot of addictions in your life because addicted state of being, is the, is a, is a being in a place where you are constantly filled with dissatisfactions. Constantly filled with dissatisfaction. And then you have a hunger and thirst for something. But I, if I were to define def- uh, addiction, I would define it different way. Addiction is a pursuit of life with the things, with people in a way that cannot satisfy. That's what addiction. And therefore, since you're not satisfied, you feel like the more you do it, the more you feel like maybe I will get satisfied. So then intensity of it, frequency of it gets deeper and deeper and deeper because underneath of that, there's a, you know, unmet needs of the past. And then another issue with addiction is that you become, you, you, you are coming from a, non-anchored state. So your root is uprooted, right? Inconsistent and uprooted. And then we in this place of addiction, vicious cycle of degradation and decay and destruction gets worse and worse and worse. And by, by, by this time, you're in a state of a crisis. When someone is struggling with addiction, I dealt with a lot of people with addiction in my life. I want to tell you something, nothing against the people with addiction. There's some wonderful, nice people, but we're talking about the disease that affects a person in such a way that it is just like you know, destroying a person. But not only that, when you have someone with addiction, everything that the person with addiction touches ended up affecting the rest of our lives. You know, I had someone... Uh, you know, my wife and I had two weeks, you know, drug addiction, young people. You know, I found them on the, on the, on the park, you know, in, in California, you go there, it is just heartbreaking. You go to a nice park, weather is so nice, that may be a problem. <laughs> you know, weather is so nice, there's so many street, you know, homeless people out there. And then you go to one park, and literally they have more than hundreds people there. And then there, they live everywhere, sleep everywhere, it's just really messy and everything. And then we were able to bring two people, uh, into our church and, uh, actually one of them got baptized. You know? Yeah. And then we used to give them Bible study in the park and, you know, did all that. So went through a lot of old deals and then this person ended up uh, finding a job with our church member. And then one day this guy was gone with the key. That the car that belongs to owner, <laughs> and then we were praying and praying, and finally he came back. Luckily, so he got the, he he was able to get the job again. Then he did a couple times, and then finally I said, you know what? Let's get the toxins out of his like brain or body or everything. Let's get everything out. So we brought them to our house. <laughs> Thank God for my wife, <laughs> and then we put them on a detox program. Man, after two weeks of detox, they were doing so well, and then they were like, "Hey, pastor, is there anything I can do?" They were trying to help me to clean my, you know, RV. Ended up breaking things on the top, <laughs> and it cost me fortune. And then, and then they were like, they were like, they were like asking me, "Hey, pastor, I got to do something for you. I'm a mechanic. I can fix things." So. I had a radio, uh, the, the alternator that needs to be changed, which could have been about two, three hundred dollars. But and I asked them to change it, and they changed it. And guess what? As I was driving back, it was overheated, and then I ruined my engine. What happened was that after they fixed it, the one of the guy was not able to put the hose back, and then the clipper, you know, the one that clips. He wasn't able to put that back in, and I, I should have checked it, but I didn't check. And I realized that, wow, everything they touch, man, becomes a problem in my life. And no wonder people are like, oh, I don't need you. You get away. But I want to tell you something. The best thing we can do with those with addiction, I mean, we're not talking about drug addiction more particularly than others, I believe we need to send them to a place where they can receive 24-7 protection. For me to think that I can kill them and help them, so to do that, I had the Messiah accomplice. (laughs) And, and, And so that I learned the lesson, and then when I came out here, I had to deal with one person like that, and then I tell you, it took me one year to convince this person to go to the rehab. And I found his friend who could ally with me. I found his wife who could ally with me. So we were like a broken record telling this guy, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go. Of course, we were praying and praying. Finally, this person said, I'm going to go. Really? You don't know until they really go. And guess what? Bought a ticket to go to California. There's a place called Dream Center in California. Sounds great on huh? Dream Center. <laughs> Start off from a lady uh, from her, you know, like a garage, and then it ended up being a ten-story building. Amazing, amazing ministry. They had thousand volunteers from all over the world. But anyway, he said he's gonna go there. He got the ticket, and guess what happened? He sent me a text and then, Pastor, can you uh, pick me up from LAX? I said, Are he, is, he, is he out of his mind? I'm here in Barron Springs. <laughs> But little did I know that on the day that, that he would be landing in LAX, I was scheduled to go to California. I'm like, what? So, so first I said no. And then I look at my schedule and say, what? I'm going to be out there. So I picked him up. I took him to Korean restaurant. <laughs> this is the last meal you're going to have. <laughs> And then I was taking him in to that rehab. It's called Discipleship Center. Guess what? As he was going in, he said he was breaking his cell phone. So why are you breaking your cell phone? Oh, it's not allowed here. I said, I'm not going to be able to connect my, with my family for the next four months. I'm serious about it. He was breaking his cell phone. I'm ready for it. And guess what? He went in November of last year. He's going to come out in November this year. And I said, your woundedness healed. Your woundedness healed becomes a ground for mission. You come out as a missionary and God is going to be triumphant in this person's life. Amen? Amen. And so we have... All of us are addicted one way or the other. Come to realize it. And you know what? In the end, in this place of life, breakdown, life becomes what? Unmanageable. But what's more crazier than being unmanageable is this vicious cycle of insanity. You know what this is? You know what is insanity? Is you keep on doing the same thing again and again and again, expecting what? Different result. <laughs> Anger, child, driven by it, no joy, lost all hopes in life, prolonged isolation, loneliness, no bond, no sense of belonging. You see, as you can see, there's no identity because there's no joy. There's no identity because you become isolated or you become so enmeshed. Extreme patterns of relating result in this kind of place of unhealthiness. And so... This is my talk today, which is the main thing. So let's move on to the today's lesson. Oh, we already covered number one, right? Okay, number two, number two. Infant child has these six kinds of needs. Very, very important for us to realize. Whatever the infant needs, it's something that we need to realize because, because it will help us to realize what, what I might be lacking in my life. Number one, infant has a need to be taken care of because infant is not able to take care of themselves right and so they have a need to be taken care of and then um, you know their challenges that they're not able to take care of themselves and secondly they have a dependency need since they need somebody else to take care of them they need to have somebody to lean on everyone has this dependency need right and people who live by themselves, and you know, have a challenge because we live, uh, we live as a human being, needing to depend on somebody from time to time, right? We have a dependency need, and then child has infants has a loss of childhood. And then when you don't have a childhood, for instance, when you don't have a joyful and happy and jolly and playful and affectionate kind of childhood, then you don't have identity. So loss of childhood result in loss of identity, right? And then infant has those needs, and needs to have find his own identity, and yet, and yet loss of childhood result in loss of identity. And then um, you know, child has a need to be loved, right? And then the, the way the child knows that he or she is loved is by having joy bond result in love bond. This is very important. First lesson that I shared. I don't have time to go elaborate on that. So how do you know your love? When there's so much joy in the relationship, right? Between, even between husband and wife, what's most important, uh, the blessing that the wife can give to a husband? Are you, are you ready to hear that? (laughs) correct me if I'm wrong Uh, the wife the most blessing the wife can give to a husband is to enjoy your husband for the way he is right oh yeah you know like yes yes and so so joy bond equals with love bond and that's why you know for me to say I am so glad to see you It results in love bond because I'm joyous seeing you. And joy bond results in love. And that's what love is all about. You know, it's just just cannot wait to see each other. And and so then the best gift a wife can give to a husband is that, you know, you are enough for me. And in doing so, allowing your husband to feel safe in the relationship. Because, because if he feels like, i got to be somebody else, i got to change to be accepted by my husband, by my wife, then you don't feel not only safe, but you feel disrespected. And the man feels a sense of respect when they are loved, when they are cherished as who they are. You are enough. If, even if your husband asks you like, "Hey, do I need to change anything for you?" And then your wife says, "You know, no, 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 you just be yourself." And you know what? when you allow them to be who they are, they're willing to change <laughs> so 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 using a little bit of psychology helps on <laughs> and the child, you know when the needs are not met, the child is unable to have self-expression I mean as a child, you're not able to have self you know expression so you take this need, and then all, when these needs are not met, when you bring them into adult relationship, you, let's take a look at what it looks like, okay? Oh, and then you end up having shame and guilt. A lot of shame and guilt for the lackings, for the shortcomings. Uh, and when you do not have enough love bond that is uh, you know, reflected in joy bond, then you internalize this lack of love, lack of, lack of childhood, loss of childhood you, into your being in that you feel like I am not worthy enough. I am not good enough. And so shame is something that what happened, you know, when you internalize what happened to you, then it becomes a source of shame, right? And so let's take that to, uh, adult life. When a child is still even after a child becomes an adult still unable to take care of self then it is very likely the child this adult child will enter into relationship with what unrealistic expectations when somebody lives with you with with a lot of unrealistic expectation then what does it do, what does it do to you Oh, burden. You become burden. I met this one guy who's been dating this girl only for four months. And he came up to me and said, Pastor, I don't know what's going on with my relationship with this girlfriend. I liked her, but you know what? I'm just like ready to burn out already. It's only been four months. I said, something is not healthy. And I'm coming to realize that this girl has a lot of, lot of unrealistic expectation to him, which is coming from a from a place of her needs not being met, and then enabling relationship, and then when the dependence needs are not met, then you become codependent, loss of identity, and then this is important when you do not have enough childhood that you enjoy, cherished, memory filled with joy and all that, when you do not have enough of that, then you become angry. You become angry because you feel like you are you, you somebody taken your childhood away, so there is a sense of loss of childhood, allows you to be angry on the outside or saddened on the inside, and then loss of childhood becomes a statement about your value. Then you you end up. Hating yourself, self-hatred, or dislike. And then when this person gets to teenagers or adult years or 40s and forties 30s, and you become depressed, especially when you have kids, many kids, and then, you know, what happens? And then all the energy goes out, nutrition goes out, then you become depressed. When the love bond and joy bond is not there, you become empty, vainful, fruitless pursuit you move all the time, you pursue things, not getting anywhere, or you become so oriented by pleasure-seeking, and you become addicted, and never, ever, uh, can never be satisfied. And then, when you're unable to you know, have self-expression, then, of course, you break down in communication. When there's a breakdown in communication, there's so much drama, so much misunderstanding, and you become overly sensitive When you become shame and guilt bound, then your life is filled with pretense, so tiring to pretend things, you know, false self, pleasing to other people, looking good is important for this person, hiding and masking. When, When a person is driven by guilt and shame, then you work too hard to be liked by other people. When you have to work too hard to be liked, to be loved by other people, there's something wrong is going on, okay? So I took that same unmet needs of the childhood, and then, and so I call this, when we are in this kind of mess, it is called the life of what? Slavery. Slavery, that's, that's what life of slavery is all about, according to the Bible. Okay, let's move on, and then take the same thing to God, okay? I'm almost done. Take the same to God. And then, This is the good news. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? I've been, I've been building my message (laughs) for this moment. Okay. Please get this. Our inability to take care of self, our fragile self, our broken self, our weakened self is the only context where we meet God. Amen. Amen. That's a place where you and I meet God anyway. No one can go to God in perfection. Only way we can go to God in our imperfection. Only way we can go to God in our weaknesses. And then God is attracted to our weaknesses. Amen? Amen. Amen. So if we were not for our fragility and then our smallness and all that we have to deal with, we would not meet God. And when we go to God, that's the place where we meet God. And then secondly, our dependency need is that lean on Him to be strong. He's not going to enable you to allow you to depend on Him in such a way that you become weakened, but He allows you to depend on, the more you lean on God, depend on God, the more you become stronger and the more because He empowers you instead of enabling you. Amen? Amen. And so if there is a one person you want to lean on, who, whom you need to lean on? You're God, okay? And that's why I love that song. Leaning on the ever, what? Lasting on, Lasting on right? And then what? How does it go? Lean. lean. <laughs> Somebody says it's really tiring. Leaning, leaning, leaning is very tiring. <laughs> and I say, you don't get it. Leaning on God is not tiring. Leaning on people is tiring. Amen? Yeah, you got to lean on God. The more you do that, the more we become strong and he empowers you. Okay. Next one. Loss of childhood. Loss of identity. And it's okay. It's okay. You cannot turn your clock back. You say, you say, right? But in Christian life, you can almost turn your clock back because, because you see, we, we start our natural life with life, right? And then you end with what? you end with what? Death, right? But our Christian life begins with what? Death. Death. You know what I mean? Death of all self. And then, you see, it's almost like going backward. So you start all over. So that's what it means to be what? Born again. You're going to born again. You die and you're born again. You start a new life as an infant in Christ. Anyway... So don't be so saddened about your childhood being lost. In Christ, you can have an incredible childhood, amen? Amen. And then you know what? You're going to be a child of God forever. Amen? Amen? Amen. Forever. When you go to God, are you going to say, Lord, uh, don't call me a child, okay, it offends me. Call me an adult. (laughs) You go to the AA group, you go to a Journey to Wholeness group, and I mentioned, first thing you say, I'm a child of God recovering from this and that. That's wonderful, wonderful realization. We need to affirm and confirm our sense of identity, and we'll continue. You know what? Love bond and joy bond is something that is given. It's gift of God. You are graced by God to be cherished. And you are his delight. You don't need to earn it. It's given. That's why every day we need to celebrate. I'm a child of God. Thank you. Do you think God is ashamed of you? You know, Journey to Wholeness is powerful. AA group is powerful. As soon as you go in there, there's no shame. Because everybody in the same boat. You know, there's a tremendous bond that gets created. We need to know God in this way. Unable to have self expression, relationship with God, prayer. Instead of shame and guilt, gratitude, joy, repentance, forgiveness, and all that. And next, and this is what sonship is all about. So we're moving from slavery to Sonship. Amen? Amen. Okay, this was my final, final message today. I'm going to bring everything home in terms of the role of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Role of the Holy Spirit is threefold, but it is all intertwining together. And it took some time for me to really, you know, you know come together with this message, but It's just a beautiful, beautiful, think about it, okay? How Holy Spirit play play a role in such a way that he builds the eternal and core sense of identity that no one and nothing can be taken away. So first of all, Holy Spirit's role has to do with love and life. He's the source. He's the one who activates love. He's the one who breathes life. And so then in the Bible, Love and life is the same concept. When there's love, there's life. When there's life, there's love. Okay? When there's no love, there's no life. When relationship dead, there is no love. When there's no love, there's no life. So love and life goes together. Holy Spirit is the one who breathes love and life into our lives. I have uh, four scriptures. Uh, and then secondly, Holy Spirit has everything to do with identity. Thirdly, Holy Spirit has everything to do with love bond and joy bond. And this is what makes me so, so excited about Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's why when there's Holy Spirit in our lives, when you and our lives are filled with the Holy Spirit, when you and I are baptized by the Holy Spirit, there is going to be restoration. You know, there is going to be a a healthy sense of identity gets formed. And then we're going to grow lips and bounds in our lives. Amen. Amen. And so, with that in mind, let's go through a couple of scriptures. We don't have time to read all the scriptures, but I'm going to give it to you. Romans, so next page, you go to the, right? Next page, yeah, next page. Romans 5, 5. We do not, you know, hope does not disappoint us because the, we have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has given us, pour out his love into our hearts. Amen. As a Holy Spirit, when there's Holy Spirit, there's love. Holy Spirit has everything to do with love. If you and I want to experience God's love, we need the work of the Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit is the one who pour a bucket full of His love into our hearts so that we may experience that love because unless you and I have that, you know, you know, love bond with God, love being activated in our lives, we're not going to find our own sense of identity. Here, Ephesians chapter 3, 15 to 19 is really, really powerful. Again, I don't have time to read it, but it's Scripture says that, you know, God has given us Jesus, and then Jesus coming into our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is how it works. When Holy Spirit comes, who comes? Jesus, Jesus comes. Why? Because did you know that the, by coming to this earth, one thing that Jesus chose to lose is the, his, the ability to be omnipresent, right? Jesus lost it. Jesus lose it on his own, own to be with us. And that's why when Jesus said that at the end of his ministry, it is better for me to go so that when I go, who comes? And then Holy Spirit comes, he knew that only way that Jesus could be with everybody, he could have that omnipresence back, was through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's why I like to believe that when Holy Spirit comes, who else comes? Jesus comes. And that's why Ephesians 3 tells us that Holy Spirit come into our heart, and so that Jesus may reside in our heart. And so Holy Spirit comes, Jesus comes. When Jesus comes, his love comes into our hearts. When his love comes, then you and I get rooted, rooted, you know? Many of our lives, because of the woundedness of the past, we may be rooted in bitterness and sadness and anger and all those things, and Jesus comes and takes it away and then help us to be rooted in his love, and that's when you and I get anchored. We are called to be anchored none other than his love. Amen? And it goes deeper and wider and so forth. And that's Ephesians chapter 3. Take a look at the scripture. Romans 1, 4 tells us that Holy Spirit is the one who gives life to Jesus, gives um, the, a the, the life of resurrection. And life of resurrection comes with the sonship, identity, right? Gives him life. The life has to do with love. Love has to do with identity, and John chapter twenty verse twenty two, Holy Spirit wants to do the same thing to you. He came to the disciples. They were waiting in the um, you know in the small upper room, and they were scared to death, and they were shriveled to death, and then they were fear stricken, and they were they they weren't sure about their future. They were filled with insecurity, and then Jesus came, and Jesus said, He what breathed on them the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, how much every days of our lives, you and I need to be breathed by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit come. How many of you desire this afternoon that you desire for the Holy Spirit to breathe on you today? Amen? Yeah. Breathe on you. You know what? Breath of God is so powerful because in Genesis, when God created Adam and Eve, and after he created Adam, he breathed, right, breathed life unto him. Actually, original word is the lives. That lives is none other than the Ruach. Is in the New Testament time, New Testament word, Ruach in the New Testament is Punuma, Punuma, Holy Spirit. And then also it means, uh, New Testament, it is Zoe. You know what Zoe is? Follow after to me. Zoe. Zoe. No, no, it's not Zoe. Zzz. It's electrifying Zoe. So Zoe means life. Ruach means lives. Punuma means Holy Spirit. In other words, you and I need to receive the breath of the Holy Spirit, the oxygen of our soul every moment of our lives. Amen? And then Jesus wants to breathe it on us. Holy Spirit wants to breathe that life on you so that even your cell start coming alive. Do you know that your cell can recognize if you're born again or not? <laughs> I didn't do a study on that, but <laughs> I like to believe that your self knows. Your self distinguish yourself, do you know that yourself jumps for joy? You know, even even when when the when the John's mom heard that, you know, J- J- Jesus was conceived or whatever, the child was the child was what? Child was like joyous in mother's womb, you see. We have these spiritual senses in our lives. And when you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit, we become come alive. We need that breath of God. Amen? We need that breath so badly. And that's what love and light, Holy Spirit. And then, secondly, then you see, amazing. You and I are born in Mother's womb, right? How many of you don't know how to swim? So everybody, You're supposed to know how to swim, because we were swimming in mother's womb. <laughs> and then we were born in a mother's womb, warm water. That warm water represents Holy Spirit. Water in the book of John represents Holy Spirit, right? John chapter 3, John chapter 4, Holy Spirit. We are made to be born in the water. Isn't that amazing? Born in the environment of the Holy Spirit. So same thing is true with our spiritual life. We are born of God. Children born of God. John chapter 1 verse 13. And so, my point is that we bring our childhood. We bring our unmet needs of the childhood. We bring the infantile childhood. We bring the child that is filled with bitterness and whatever. We go to God anyway, because we need to born again anyway, because there's something wrong with our first birth. <laughs> we all need to be born again. And so we go through that process. And what happened? Born again by the Holy Spirit. John chapter 3 verse 7. And then John chapter 8, verse 23, born of God means born of the Holy Spirit, born of the Holy Spirit, born from above. And John distinguishes the life that is born from below and born from above. Every days of our lives, you're called to be born from above. Have you ever experienced born again in your life? Man, first time when I experienced born again in my life, First time experienced it after seven days of fasting. And then, you know, I was coming home on a, on a, in a bus drive, bus, on a bus that was like going like this. I mean, the road was very, very uh, uneven and all that. But despite that, I was so happy because I was born of God. <laughs> and then I opened the windows and they stopped by a certain, you know, station and they opened the window. And then, first time in my life, I heard the birds singing. In Korean, we don't use the word birds singing. We say birds are crying. <laughs> but the first time in my life, oh, birds are not crying. Birds were singing. They were praising God. When I first time in my life experienced what it means to be born again, be touched by the Holy Spirit in my life, everything becomes a music to me. You know what I'm saying? Everything. Wow! You know, when the new heaven and new earth being realized, if you go there with an the old heart, heart that is not touched by God, then you, we will not recognize nor appreciate new heaven and new earth. New heaven and new earth is for those whose lives are born of God. God wants to transform you because God knows that we and I are made for him and we need that identity in our lives. It's all about identity. And then when Jesus was baptized, what happened? When when Jesus baptized, what did he hear? Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove and here is my son in whom I am well pleased. Oh, wow. As a child growing up, how much I wish to hear that word from my father. Other than spanking and chastising, <laughs> correcting or all that. I wish to hear from my dad. I am proud of you. But one day after I came to United States, I got married, had kids, went back to Korea, and then I met my mother, a father at his at his uh, you know training center. He was up, he was running a prayer center in Korea, and I went and greeted him in Korea and made Daddy, I'm going to going back to the United States. And he came and he he shook my hands, and then he goes, Son, he vo- his voice is deeper than mine. Son, I am so proud of you. When he said that, it, it just uh, registered to my ears like music. But if I were to be a real Korean you know, ethic, man with etiquette, I would have said, Dad, take that word back. I don't deserve to read such a commendation or something. But... So I was so dying to hear that, that confirmation from my dad without me realizing I said, Amen. <laughs> I said, Amen. And my father was like, Are you, you're funny. You know what Amen means? Amen means say it again. So my father said, I am proud of you. Amen. <laughs> God said that Jesus was baptized. That baptism was none other than your baptism. Did you know that? It was your baptism. When God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, allow you to be born again, He gets us, give us the birth. And then the first thing Jesus heard, our brother in Christ. The first thing that you will hear, hey, hey, you gotta do this then follow 27, oh, we'll do this. No. First thing Jesus heard, first thing that you will hear is that here is my son in whom I am well pleased, beloved. We need to hear that every days of our lives. Amen? No matter what happened. There was a time I felt like, you know, my, my wife is an amazing lady. She's better than me. She's much better than me. If there's someone who's going to go to heaven for sure between us, it will be her. I believe it. But there was a time I felt like I was not being respected by my wife. And I felt like, why did I come to the United States to be disrespected by my wife? (laughs) I was feeling low. But then right on that moment, I could hear the voice of God telling me, you're my son, no matter what. In whom I am what? I'm grateful for my wife, for the way that she has lived with me, graced me, and all that. No matter what you go through in your life, don't forget that identity that Jesus gives you, and that's an eternal sense of identity, okay? In closing, this love bond, Holy Spirit is so intimate. How many of you ladies want to date Holy Spirit? I want to give you a reason why you want to date Holy Spirit, because Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, 26, is, 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 you know, he's, he's, uh, he's, uh, uh, you know, called as a comforter. Original word for comforter is para This is an amazing word. It's two words coming together. para Para means side by side. It means one, original word says something like this. One who sits right next to you, like this. So tight. So it really, really conveys the idea of what? Intimacy. Holy Spirit is the one who bonds with you. So close, so tight, so intimate. How many of you want to, want to really have a love affair with the Holy Spirit in your life? Amen? Amen. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's why when Holy Spirit comes, love bond comes. When the love bond comes, it comes with joy bond. When the joy bond comes, it creates and develops, and it further develops our identity. And then our lives were filled with love and life, full of life, life to share and give to other people. God has given Adam ruach lives, and then through within that life, how many lives have been born? <laughs> Millions and billions, and billions of people. When God gives you life, no one can take it away. It is powerful. Don't be dependent on people. Primarily, dependent on God to have life. And then it becomes a wellspring in your heart. You know what's amazing? We're close. Wellspring in your heart, meaning that John chapter 4, verse 14, the joy bond that, that Holy Spirit gives you it becomes like a wellspring that is welling up again and again and again and again, never ending. Amen? That joy bond will end welling up in your heart. You know, it's a never ending kind of uh, joy. And then he will quench our thirst. It's kind of interesting. Do you know where the Holy Spirit comes in our body? You know Holy Spirit comes? You know where the Holy Spirit comes? That gives us this joy and everything. I have a theory, but can't be proven, but kind of. If you argue it, then, you know, I don't want to argue. <laughs> John chapter 7, verse 38 and 38, 39 says that Holy Spirit allows this wellspring of life to be, to, to spring forth in our stomach. In our belly, you know why? You know why? You know why your gut needs to be healthy? You know how like gut feeling? Your gut feeling is so important. Yeah, this this our gut, our belly, our stomach is the uh, is a symbolic place of thirst and hunger, right? Right. you You know what I mean? We we have this hunger from hunger. Pain comes from our belly. As much as that. When Holy Spirit comes, He fills our our belly, you know, with with so much of the joy and the bond of the Holy Spirit can give us, and so that it spring forth a, a you know wellspring of life, fountain within, and so then we ended up creating serotonin in our body. Did you know that? How many percent? You said once. More than like 90 some percent of serotonin gets created in our stomach. And that's where your stomach needs to be healthy. Uh-huh. So when you when the Holy Spirit touches you, I like to believe that he touches your what? Guts. From the bowels. From the bowels. Amen. Our bowel movement is moved by the what? Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. Well, they were clean. Amazing. God God, Amen, Amen. You're with me. You're with me. God, our God, our God needs to be touched by the Holy Spirit, and so much so, it is not my word. Ellen White says, "Yeah, times like this, I have to quote Ellen White." Ellen White says that when you're touched by the Holy Spirit, when your lives are transformed by the Holy Spirit, even your impulses will align with the things of God. You know what I mean? That's how we need to be Christian. Not by trying, not by striving, but by Holy Spirit feeling our guts. And our gut feelings agree with God. <laughs> Our guts are filled with the serotonin of God, the joy of the Lord, the bond that He gives us, and we are touched and we're moved and we're crying and we're like, whoa, this is amazing. I'm inspired. And then much of the serotonin and endorphin and all those uh, enzymes gets created in our guts. And then, and Jesus said to to Samaritan woman, that's gonna welling up again and again. It never stops. Like no matter how much of impurity comes in, it's gonna well up and purify the whole being. Amen. 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 I'm, I get excited about that. And then finally, John chapter three verse thirty four. I never ever realized how Book of John has so much things to say about Holy Spirit. And then it's a John 3, it says John three thirty four. It says. He will give Holy Spirit limitless. There is a limitless supply of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? You gain all you need. May the wellspring of life spring forth in your heart, in your belly. May your stomach to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not with the junk of this word. Amen? Amen. Any things to share in closing? And we'll pray. Butterflies in your stomach. Uh-huh. Be in love with the Holy Oh, butterfly in your stomach. Yeah, oh, because you're wow. in love, you, you'll get that. Yeah. Body, that you're strengthening you're my theory. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's satisfying. It's satisfied. Satisfying. Amen. Yeah, it's, it's biblical. It's biblical. Wow. He mentioned Bali. <laughs> Bali is a place where the Holy Spirit is going to touch. And we're going to have this like butterfly feeling. Man, we're good tizzy, yeah. <laughs> thinking about Jesus. <laughs> Anything to share in closing? Anything you want to share in closing? Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Anything to share? Anything? Joe? Sure.
0: I am um, currently going through uh, my own journey, and I'm getting counseling, because you know I'm always trying to please other people, <laughs> but I need healthy boundaries, and I'm learning. And so why, why I'm saying these things is that, you know, um, my husband knows more. He's a much healthier person, <laughs> emotionally in every way. But I had a, a childhood I felt very uh, rejected. My mom never wanted me. And I realized it's not my own issues, but my mother felt that way. And it was probably generational, you know, uh, not because my brother was already six months <coughs> And then she got pregnant with me, and I dried up her milk, (laughs) and she wasn't ready for me. And so I forgive my mother, but I really had this sense of rejection from her. Uh, But, you know, and so I'm going through this journey, and we're doing this together (laughs) together. from our brokenness. I'm saying, I'm not arrived. Okay, we're not talking about this because I have did my issues and I can talk about it because I've gone through and I've arrived. I'm saying, we're doing this journey together because I'm still growing. You know, I'm learning about myself, you know, more and more. And I realized that this stuck points in my childhood, you know, I was sad about it and all that, But through today, the Holy Spirit, it once again makes you realize that you can only come to God in your brokenness anyway. So that scripture that says, I will boast in my weakness, you know, that Christ and his strength, his strength will be, you know, realized in my, I think that's what it is. I can, it's okay, because I need to be born again anyway, and I can reclaim, you know, being a child of God, and and what an amazing journey this is, really, and and also that, you know, we cannot heal on our own, that we cannot grieve on our own. Do you really believe that? I mean, if you really believe that, then when I look at you, each one of you, you guys are amazing people because you guys are healing agents to me and I need you. <laughs> and so everyone is so precious. And I think one, if we come to realize how every one of us how much we need each other and you know the healing that we can give to each other that brings a whole different you know perspective and how we look at each other Amen
1: Jesus said let the children come to me no one can get in the way that includes you and me and that makes me realize that my children and me we're all children anyway and there's not much difference in terms of immaturity we share a lot of immaturity together. We need to be compassionate to one another. So so take heart. Take it easy. Go on. Be joyful. Holy Spirit works in our lives. This media was
0: brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit
1: www.audioverse.org